You are listening to Stand Out on LinkedIn, indispensable truths, tools, and tips, a show designed specifically to help you stand out. This podcast is for everyone looking to maximize their brand, network, career, and business initiatives, meaning finding a job, hiring, selling, and marketing. That pretty much includes most people. My team at Intero will be sharing their expertise and insight to get you one step closer to gaining traction and being a standout on LinkedIn. My team spends hours each day on LinkedIn, assisting companies in developing their brand, finding new talent for job openings, and even creating content to help professionals establish their credibility. The information they share on this podcast reflects what they see and do each day. If you're looking to stand out on LinkedIn, then you've come to the right place. Listen and receive actionable takeaways that you can utilize on LinkedIn to achieve your business and career goals. Welcome everyone. I'm excited to have you back today. We are going to have a fabulous conversation with somebody, Dustin McCabe. I just think he is so fabulous and is probably um, someone that when I first reached out to him, would never have thought we would have this ongoing conversation and continued relationship. We've never met in person. So welcome Des McCabe all the way from across the pond in the UK. I don't even know where in the UK you are, by the way. <laughs> wow. Colleen, uh, I'm in Sheffield, which is sort of north, two hours north of London. And can I just say to anybody who's listening that I paid you an absolute fortune for that introduction. Is that okay? <laughs> well, we talked about, we, I really didn't have a title, right? Because right. you, I know you as a licensing genius, but that is only one of the many things that you do and are known for and are really purposed to uh, manifest in the world. So let's, let's jump in and let's talk a little bit first, let everybody know a little bit about your background, because you have such an interesting background. Oh my goodness. Well, well, I started out as a trainer. So that's my sort of vocational background. I I just love this whole idea of being able to help people to develop. Uh, I got sacked from my first job in, in personnel management after about six months. And then I realized I've just got to go and do this on my own because I don't think I'm ever going to find a job, inverted commas, out there that suits me. And over the years, I've been really fortunate uh, to be able to build my own training company. It was the largest independent company in the UK at the time. And um, from that, I did a lot of international work with various governments around employment and training, including the US administration. I also did some work around the Irish peace process. And again, uh, your own departments over there were incredibly supportive of what we were trying to do in Northern Ireland at the time. And from that, then I've got into diversity and inclusion. From there, I got into licensing. So you're absolutely right. It's impossible really um, to put one label on anybody because I think it restricts us. I think it confines us. And I think every one of us is capable of so many things and balances so many things at the one time as well. Yeah, I think that's so interesting because you really have been focused on diversity and inclusion much longer than it may have been just a popular term, right? Yeah, can you yeah. can we just dive into that for a little yeah. bit and and talk about the work that you've done in that area and then the awards you have for that? So just share a little bit about that. It's really interesting. Well, um, I, I was I was working in Northern Ireland. I, I grew up in Northern Ireland as people who. Yes, from the, the accent still, I think. And after doing the work in England, I went back over home because my dad was on his own. And I got involved in some consultancy there. And it was the time of the Good Friday Agreement around 2000, just around that, 1998, 2000. And we were looking to build a peace, a peace process and cement it. And the key thing in Northern Ireland at the time was around a religious difference, which translated into political difference. Unionist Catholics, sorry, Unionist Nationalists, Catholic Protestants. We only had two religions in Northern Ireland. (laughs) So Northern Ireland got the very first piece of legislation, equality legislation in Europe, and it was around religion and belief. And what they wanted to try and do was to train up everybody so that they understood religious difference and what it meant in the workplace, right? So so I, I got the job of writing a training course and training up every public sector body in Northern Ireland, right? So... 
It was fabulous. It took me three years. Every police authority, health trust, government department, schools, everything like that. And I learned an awful lot from that process. Out of that, then, UK legislation came in, which was wider. So then I got the job of, of building diversity on religion and belief across the UK, which I did as well. And out of that grew Diversiton, which then became known for inclusion. But it's really important because many people don't know the difference between equality, diversity and inclusion. And just if you want me to just take 30 seconds, I'll just Please. do that. Yeah. So equality is effectively a legislative construct. It's what government set out to say you cannot break the rules. You cannot discriminate against somebody, etc. So it's a governmental framework. And it usually covers things like race, gender, sex, etc. But that's not diversity. Diversity is absolutely everything that makes us up. So your shoe size, your hair color, everything is part of your diversity. And your strengths are part of that. So when we're looking to build a diverse workforce, we're not talking about age and gender. We're really talking about the fact that Colleen McKenna is fabulous on LinkedIn. You've got to bring her in, right? You're looking to build that diversity of experience and knowledge. Inclusion, then, is how you bring all that right mix of people together to achieve what you're trying to achieve. Now, inclusion cannot be done. We can talk about this more, but inclusion cannot be done within a company, much to people's disbelief. Because everybody's trying to drive inclusion strategies, but companies by definition have a framework and can't be inclusive. So unless you allow people to reach out and then come back in, then it doesn't work. But I can talk so much more about that. So what does that mean? You allow them to reach out and then come back in. What do you mean by that? If if you're genuinely trying to be inclusive, then what that means is you're trying to create a framework whereby everybody can participate. But if, you're, if, you're, if the culture of your organization is about making profit, if it's about having certain rules of behavior, if it's about selling widgets or whatever it happens to be, then by definition, that does not include competi- competitors. It doesn't include those who don't fit that. So you're, you cannot be inclusive unless you allow the individuals you work with to build their own frameworks of inclusion, their own mini communities, their own way of working around their passion. Let me give you an example. So let's say, you, for example, I'm passionate about helping starving children in Nairobi, in Kenya, right? Now I can go off and do that project. I can build that. And therefore, by definition, I'm helping to bring that framework of inclusion into the company if the company allows me to do it. Most companies don't. Most companies are totally closed and really only focus on what their core objectives are. So how, this is fascinating. And you and I have never talked no, about this. No, wow. no, I know. <laughs> so this is always what makes me so fascinated to have conversations with you, Des, is we go in places that um, I don't normally go, right? I and I yeah, think differently. Yeah, yeah. And we'll talk about that thinking differently as it relates to licensing. But going back to what you just talked about. So how how does that whole idea fit with today? And, and then for companies who are, right now struggling to find employees and and build culture? Part of the, the real constraint is that companies try to, to recruit people to promote what the company does, not to support the individual and what they're about. Right. right? Now, in, in the world in which we, we're living now, things have dramatically shifted over the last 10 years. Um, and community, collaboration, kindness, linking up, LinkedIn, are all part of that mechanism now that we have to get used to working with. It's created a different way, a different framework on which we build business, etc. And so, for example, individuals have a different role than their own job role. So, for example, I could win as a salesperson, but outside sales, I could be a dad, I could be a golfer, I could be part of the local rotary or institute of directors or whatever it happens to be but I might be passionate about something else. So if companies are really serious about holding on to their employees, developing their employees, then they can't do it, in my view, within the structure of the business because the business is only about the business. It's not about the employee. So therefore, you have to create a framework that allows those individuals to not just develop their own skills and their own interests, and not only just develop those within the company, but alongside the company and outside the company. But you also have to allow them to grow and develop and make that real. 
about three years ago, we have local authorities here, councils, yeah, so mm-hmm. I don't know what you call them in the States. And, and they asked me to come in and work with their, their whole team. And I did it for about a year. And they said, what I want you, what we, they wanted me to do was to help the staff to develop it. And I said, right, but this is going to be a bit crazy for you guys because I'm going to turn them all into entrepreneurs, right? <laughs> <laughs> and they said, well, will they want to leave us? I said, no, they won't want to leave you. What they'll want to do is to be much more entrepreneurial in the business. So what we did, we got 100 people together from the business as a pilot. We got 100 together, mixed them all up. They'd never talked to each other because they were all from different departments. One was from housing, one was from finance, one was from environmental services, whatever. And we got them all together and we said, right, we want you to build some really interesting projects that you are interested in. Oh, wow. In, in your community, right? So what did they think about? Somebody said, well, I think we should turn that derelict housing place down there into an entrepreneur centre. Somebody else said, I think we need to do something for young mothers. Somebody else said, we've got young people that are not doing anything on this estate and da 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 So this group of people then started to develop projects that were actually about what the council's remit was about because they were actually seeing what the real need was. Then they had to go back to their day job. And their day job did not make any sense anymore, right? So this is the gap between what's needed out there and what we limit people to do in the jobs that we create for them. And and so that's how it grew. But it was fascinating because they built relationships across. They called it silo busting. They built relationships across the organization that didn't exist. And those relationships then go on and develop and grow. But it made each of those people look outwards beyond their own job to saying, well, what should we be doing? What could we be doing? What are the real needs? And they started to think about their own organization and their own links in a very different way. Then, So I call it the upside down triangle. So, yeah, so if you think of a normal triangle, it's top down, somebody's in charge, the rules are there, the sides of the triangle triangle hold us in. If you turn that upside down and we're at the bottom, this is LinkedIn now I'm talking mm-hmm. about, right? Mm-hmm. We're at the bottom and we start to build those connections upwards to achieve what's important to us. Fascinating. So do you see, and we'll talk about like the differences in UK versus the States as we continue, but, you know, I I don't know that very many CEOs and, you know, leadership teams are ready for that significant of a paradigm shift, right? Absolutely not. So what happens? So what happens is that, is what we're seeing now, is that more and more people are working from home. Mm -hmm. Right. So the world shift has brought us global warming. We need to work together. COVID, we need to work together. Ukraine, we need to work together. Or we're going to get, there is no future. Right. So we all have to work together in a much more collaborative and supportive way and in a kinder way. And that homeworking has really brought into shifts for people. Hang on. I actually can have a family life. I actually can work alongside my partner or my kids or whatever. It's a bit complex. I've got to do a bit of juggling, but actually it's working out all right. I don't have to do the day trip or whatever. Companies are trying to grab that space back, as you know. They want people back in the office, right? So, I, But what we're seeing is a greater shift for people really asking those core questions themselves. And this takes you right back to saying, well, how do I introduce you, Des? Because... I don't think we are just that one role anymore. I think we now start to think about what do I really want to do? Mm-hmm. Not what job do I want? I'm only here once. I've only got one shot at this, I think. So what, what is it that's so important to me that I'm going to give the rest of my life to or the next five years to or whatever it happens to be? So I think that's the core question that more and more people are asking Now that they've seen there's a flexibility around the way that they work. So, yeah, we do have to work, but maybe there's a better way for us to do that or a much more enjoyable way to do that. Yeah. You know, I just saw a post last night on LinkedIn. I don't know the person who posted it, but they had so many comments that ended up in my feed. And and the post was, hey, you know, hey, vendors, please don't schedule happy hours between four and seven. I need to go home to my kids. I, you know, I've got little ones, right? And and, and and the comments around it on both sides was was so interesting. And, and I think people are really being so much more discerning about where they spend their time, how they spend their time. 
and are going to select differently than they did two years ago. And, and I think that's a good thing. I actually think that's a really smart thing. Well, I, I wrote a book about 10 years ago, 11 years ago called Work It Out. And Work It Out was really about the way that the world of work had shifted. It was about, they used to call it portfolio work. I call them work pieces, basically bits and pieces of work that we all do. Some are paid, some are unpaid, some are professional, some are relaxation. But we all spend our time doing things, pieces of work. And our, the challenge for us as we grow is to make sure that those pieces of work take us in the right direction for what we want to achieve and give us the income and security that we need longer term. So I think people are starting to play with that idea of work pieces or whatever they call them in, in, in ways of shaping their career rather than this idea of just having one job. So that's, that's the second big shift. The third big shift that's happening is they actually want to do something meaningful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's no longer just enough to, like the middle workers of the Industrial Revolution, selling your time and getting your, your money. It's, it's now that we actually want to be able to go home and say, yeah, I did something really useful today. I helped somebody to do X, Y, and Z. I made this happen. I delivered this or whatever it is. So that context becomes important. So what we do, the way we do it, and why we do it, are now the key factors that employers need to take on board, particularly if they're after the best talent. So I wonder if the whole, you know, like as you're saying, the framework and the the constructs of how business can or cannot be inclusive, right? If you have more sort of fractional outsourced people, consultants, if you will, I don't really love that term, but, you know, working inside of a, a business, I think you do get more potential to create that diversity, right? We do. And it's a real challenge to manage. Yes. Right? But, and this is the big, big but, it's when you move from a transactional view of working or of LinkedIn even as well to a relationship one. Mm-hmm. Because if you base your employment around the relationship rather than the transaction of doing a task, it's like you and I. Yeah, we don't work on a transaction basis. We work on a relationship basis. I can ring you up and ask your advice or likewise. So you go beyond that. So once you have that base of relationship, everything is possible. Mm-hmm. I would never let you down. You would never let me down. It just goes without saying. We don't need a contract. So it's all new territory and we're all having to learn how to navigate that. And so you mentioned it once, but I know when we worked together end of 2020 into the beginning of 2021 for about four months. Yep. You really talked about kindness a lot. You've already mentioned it, community. So let's let's kind of dive into that because that is a really big focus for you, kindness. Yes, and kindness doesn't sell, right? So, so let's <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll refrain from 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 I'll refrain from my next comment. You know, like okay. especially yeah. in the in, in in the states right now, maybe. <laughs> no. no, I don't. I don't think so. I'm just back from Florida, so I didn't see that at all. So I think I think that there's a, a hard definition around the way that people think about business, and that's very traditional. That comes from a, a Wall Street type perspective of the way that we used to build. Uh, being called greed or capitalism, those words now are really tainted in in in, in, the, in the perspective mm-hmm. that they give. And uh, and you know, I work with incredible people around the world, and I'm so so fortunate. And uh, just sitting here in my little uh, room in, in Sheffield, and uh, and and that's what's changed dramatically over the last couple few years as well. So we all have to embrace that and and, and cherish that and, and be grateful for that. And um, but but kindness is really just. Um, Working with people in a way that enables you to help them. Mm-hmm. That's all the kindness is, right? Mm-hmm. So it's trying to find a way in which you both can share something or make something move forward in, a, in whatever it is. And, you know, I spoke to somebody early on today, earlier on today, who was going through a really, really tough time. I didn't have to do anything but listen, right? Nothing. I didn't say anything. And he said to me at the end of it all, oh, that was fabulous, this. And I thought, I didn't actually say anything, you know? So so I'm sorry to all of you out there listening to this podcast because I'm just probably talking too much. No, not at all. And um, I will share with you that after knowing you, 
in introducing you to some people in my network. And someone recently sent me a text and said, I hope, really, really hope my relationship with Desk McCabe never ends. That's how life-changing it has been for me. Yeah, well, that, 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 yeah, I do know, and 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 you and you you've been incredibly generous to me, Colleen. You know, we started out with a work relationship, and, and I think after about twenty minutes, that changed. So, um, and so that's been that's been fabulous. I, I think I'm deliberately, I suppose, provocative is the wrong word. Challenging may be a better word. In in that, I like to use words like kindness, love, happiness, blessings. Whatever word I like to use the words that we don't use in business, because that because that allows people to say, well, wow, well, 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 I didn't think that was part of the agenda. I didn't think we were allowed to get out of our box. I didn't think we were allowed to have personal ambitions beyond what the company does. And and this takes us into the, very briefly into the whole area of personal development, mm-hmm. because we've defined personal development as, for example listening skills or communication skills or marketing skills or leadership skills. But those are all part of outward personal development. They're not part of inner learning or inner personal development. And inner personal development is uh, reflection, meditation, reading about things, harvesting material that you've just read. Or after this conversation, I'll sit down for five minutes and I'll just write down a few things, right? It's not a to-do list, but it'll be one or two things that you just start simply because of something you've said. So I think that inner piece of who we are, what we're about, how we learn and develop goes with the outer learning or the personal development framework. But complete personal development is really what we're starting to see evolve. It it used to be seen as a bit wacky to talk about some of those other things in, in the workplace. I don't think it's, I think that's all shifting now. And I think there's certain people out there who do that as a matter of course. And you can see that whole area of spirituality, et cetera. However you define that, universe, God, whatever, however you define all of that, I think people are starting to say, well, let's open that up because that's part of inclusion as well. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if there's maybe some, a little bit of, confusion perhaps on whose whose responsibility that is to move along, right? So we think professional development. So we use the term professional development, and that's what the organization is going to offer to their group of employees, associates, team members, right? So that they yep. get better at their, I'm using air quotes, job, yep. right? Yep. And then there are certainly Lots of people who are just, you know, those lifelong learners and they're sort of always, you know, pursuing and they're on and then they're, they are doing those things. And, and yet then there's a, probably a, a group that they're waiting for the company to do it. They don't really know how to, to initiate that on their own. And, and it's so important because the skill set, not only has the skill set changed so dramatically over the last 10 years, expectation, the ability to manage yourself if you are working remotely. I mean, there's so much around that, that the idea of personal development really needs to be instilled much earlier in elementary school, in high school, secondary school, right? Oh, absolutely. Don't don't get me started on education. Um, You know, um, I think the way that we educate young people, for example, has to be projects. It has to be sitting around tables. It has to be tackling issues and problems. It has to be solving things and learning group dynamics, leadership, personal development. We can all go to Google and find out information. The last thing we should be teaching at school is information. So I think think that personal responsibility, learning to work with others, I think that's by far the the prime example there. Mm-hmm. I think the responsibility is a good one, though. I think I think there, there's a leadership role within companies to say, look, we want the best people. We want to attract the best people. We want to keep the best people. So when you come to work with us, we want to hear what's important to you because we want to facilitate that. So, and then the, rooms, the onus then is on the individual to say, right, Yes, I want to work with you because I think I can help move this business or shift this business or contribute to this business or bring something new to this business. So the two aren't competitive at all. They're actually complementary. 
There isn't, I don't see any conflict between what the company's trying to do and what individuals are trying to do. We're both on parallel tracks at the moment and those are coming together as we move forward. And it's getting that interlinking or uh, intersecting pieces, those intersecting pieces right. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I always say that I'm basically at this point in my life unemployable, not because I don't have the skills, but because I, you know, I'm doing my thing my way. And I I have tried to build Intero Advisory to be the place where I want to work at this point in my career. Yes. Right? So there are certain things that I like and that I expect from our team members, you know, that probably wouldn't fly. So, you know, it it does concern me though, because sometimes I say, you know, you may all not, you all may not be here for the next, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years. And I've, and this is a little bit like La La Land here, right? We've created this kind of great environment, but it's an environment that fits me at this, at my stage in life. I need to make sure that they get positions so that they have experiences that position them for a long you know, their career long-term. Yes. And uh, yeah, absolutely. I think, and I think that's one of the joys of being an entrepreneur. It, yeah. You, you, uh, unemployable is a great way of, 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 of phrasing You would it. be too. <laughs> I, I'm totally on. Yeah. I knew that many years ago. Right. So, but because of that understanding or awareness comes a certain resilience because we know that we can battle through things. Now that's a real gift. Right. And entrepreneurs learn that over time because they get bashed in so many ways. Yeah. We're all told we can't do it or we have to do it a certain way or, you know, nobody's ever done that before. That's not going to work. So we learn to, to develop a, a certain looking beyond that perspective. We find ways around it. We create alternative strategies or tactics and we get it wrong 90 percent of the time. But the 10 percent is OK, because that's what takes us forward. And that's the bit that we build right. on. So, so I think I think the anybody who's working on their own, and we see so many of them on LinkedIn, right? Mm-hmm. And they're all trying to sell stuff, right? Yeah. And all I would say to everybody out there on LinkedIn who works for themselves as a freelancer or a coach or a trainer, please stop trying to sell yourself. Wow, I couldn't have created a better a better segue for what I want to talk about. So keep going, Des. <laughs> I'm, I'm only saying that, you know. We, we all have certain skills and abilities and experience, and we've gathered that over the years. So all you need to do is to sit down and say, well, what is it that I'm good at? What is it that I can offer? What is it that people might be interested in? If there's one thing I can help people to do, what is it? Is it something technical? Is it something financial? Is it something in sales? Is there something specific that you can do? You don't walk into a candy store and say, oh, just give me any candy. Right. You walk in your candy store and you say, I want such and such. Right. So it's exactly the same. And and I've learned on LinkedIn in my own very naive way. Right. That I know that, that if I put an ebook up there that offers a licensing package that people will download it. I've given them as much information as I can. They read it and then they, they start a conversation with me or they don't. But just to go out there and say, I'm good at this. I don't think it's the way to do it. So all I would say is go and write an ebook or something, put it on there and give away your information because that's what will build the relationship. That's what will build the trust. Mm-hmm. So true. I'm, so I actually think I went to Google. I Googled something very specific. You were the first person that came up. Your LinkedIn profile came up first. Actually, I think above your website, it was one and yeah. two. Yeah, good. Of course, went to LinkedIn. I would have gone to LinkedIn regardless. I typically don't engage with people, (laughs) you know, who, because number one, they need to understand LinkedIn enough to know what I'm actually, what we're doing here. Right. So, um, and reached out to you, had an initial conversation and the amount of information that you gave away in that first conversation was crazy. And by the way, I had read the, the ebook too. I downloaded it, I printed it out. Uh, I had three people on the team read it. We had it highlighted. So we were really, really prepared to have a conversation. I know. I, know. I, I, I was battered and bruised after that session. I never <laughs> had so many questions. Right. It was just so, but it was so interesting because you made us think so differently about what we thought would be a transaction. Correct. So let's dive into. This whole idea about how you think about building licensing and how it really um, 
really is much more about building communities. And in you have such fascinating clients because that you've done licensing, you know, programs with, and they're all in very different industries. I'm thinking of Raquel yes. and you know other yeah. people that I've met through you, all very different. So yeah. talk about the licensing as a model, but what it ultimately serves the purpose for. So so the first, so the if you understand the process then that I've just explained. You, if you're an individual out there and you're working on your own as a freelancer or whatever it happens to be, and you, you keep me right on this, Colleen, because this is your world, not mine, really. Um, but they, then put that into a framework that offers people something that can help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if they like that, then give them the opportunity to chat to you. Let them chat to you and don't try and sell. Offer to help them even more, right? Because all you're doing at this stage is, is two things. Number one, you're genuinely trying to help them. And I get calls literally every week. I talk to everybody, right? 95% of people aren't ready, aren't capable, and shouldn't do it. And I tell them so, right? They're still mm-hmm. friends and they still link up with me and all the rest, but they're just not ready to do that piece. So once once you, you have that sort of um, relationship established and people know that you're not trying to sell them, then they start to think, then they actually say, well, hang on, could I use this? Is this of any use to me? And then the, the whole idea of licensing is very simple. It's that you take what your, your core skill is and you offer it in a way to the, to the market that says other people can then train in this or use this piece of property or this service in some way. So you might have a training course that in-house trainers use and train everybody in their organization. Right? And you license that to them so you're not having to go in and do the training all the time. Mm-hmm. And out of that, then you build your network of licensees. But I think there's something really important here from a process that I've learned. And this is what really took me into community is once I go through this process with people who license their own programs or services, then they they change. There's no doubt about that. They're thinking about business changes. They're thinking about, about what they can do as a business or as an individual shifts dramatically because the model that they've been brought up in, they have to get a job, they have to sell services, they have to chase money, suddenly shifts and they start to think, hang on, I can have a huge influence in whatever it is is important to me by building my network of licensees who then train other people. And suddenly I've got a whole network or community of people that I can then support or help or sell to in other ways. And in our last conversation, what we talked about was how through your clients, you've seen kind of a shift in how like licensing programs have evolved, right? Like we talked about like our original intent, we pivoted on yep, and and we now position it more for in-house people, right? For within companies and and for us at that point in time last year made a whole lot of sense. Yep. But we weren't really thinking about, we were thinking of it more transactionally than in, in sort of a bigger way. So what have you seen with some of your clients as they've taken this licensing journey? Well, the first, the first thing to say is licensing isn't a standard framework. And you know that from talking to me. So I, I will usually chat to people and find out what it is they're they're doing and what it is they're trying, where it is they're trying to get to. Because you normally have to start at the end. You normally have to get a view of where somebody is ultimately trying to get to, as opposed to just turning out sales or building structures or whatever else. All of that comes after you get a clearer view of what they want to do. So, you know, Emma, who does uh, binge eating disorders, you know, she's got a very clear view of what she's trying to do. She's trying to change that whole thinking around the diet industry. Um, she's in Ireland. Um, Caroline, who's in New Zealand, she's doing uh, suicide prevention training because it's huge over there but, um, due to certain factors. So the people I meet are usually driven by something bigger than business, right? And that's what carries them through and um, changes after changes. But not all, not all. There, there's many and much more commercial ones. So I think... It's, it's unique to each person. The structure is unique. You're talking about in-company licenses. There's individual licenses. There's territory licenses, product licenses. I can go on and on. But so it's, it's really relevant to what you're trying to do. But once you know the technology of licensing, then you're right. Then you shift and you shift change it and you adapt. 
So it's not as if it becomes redundant because you've done it for three or four months and got your first ones on board or whatever. You've actually moved into a new space, which is what I was saying earlier. And and learn so much. And learn so learn much. Learn so much. So I know from some of your other clients that you've introduced me to, um, just in conversation with them, how their um, what the evolution and the journey they've been on and where they've pivoted, right? And yep. kind of had some aha moments. So it's fair. Yeah, and, so and it's the, not static. No, and they continue to pivot and they continue to grow. And, and the relationship that we have, and I may not talk to some of them for six months or a year or whatever, but they'll all come back at some stage and say, right, now, what do you think about this, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's what's really rewarding. Now, at some stage, I have no idea where all this goes, right? Right. I'm I'm building a, it's not even a network. It's not even a community. It's just rough, loose links with people. And, and I, I'm not trying to shape it. I'm not trying to dictate it. I'm just happy to, to, to see what evolves out of this. But we are building a strong base of people who are passionate about sort of things that you and I are, which are, you know, looking after each other, giving back, supporting others, etc. Mm-hmm. And you know, you you're funny because you in our first conversation, you said to me, "You need to have a book." I like, I don't want a book. I, I don't no. want a book. You know, everybody who writes a book related to LinkedIn, um, as soon as it publishes, LinkedIn changes everything. So, <clears throat> but you were pretty, you were pretty adamant about you need to put a book together. And I did, and it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. And now I'm in the process. And you said you will write more than one book. And I was like, I, after writing one book, I was like, I don't think so. And now I'm in the process. We've like revamped all of our content for 2022 so that by, you know, October, November, we'll have, I'll have a second book. Congratulations. Thank you. And so really you were the driving force. I was like, well, I can't, I can't really work with, I said to the team, I can't really work with Dallas. We can't work with him. If I'm not going to follow the instructions, I have to be coachable. And, you know, he probably knows way more than I do about this. Tell me why that one piece, because you talked about an ebook, which is very doable Correct. for almost everybody, right? I think, I think so. almost everybody, think. there's so many ways to do it. We've been doing ebooks for a long yeah. time. Yeah. And, but the idea of a, of a real book I, I, for, for many years in the, in the last seven years or so, uh, I, I spent a lot of time working with people who were from all walks of life they're, they're, and they were all mixed up. I deliberately mixed them all up. So we had unemployed, we had retired people, we had business people, all the rest, all mixed up young people. And I said, it was part of the program we were doing, which is business development, personal development. I want you all to write a book. None of these people had even written a book in their life. Right. But they, they all ended up working together, collaborating, working out how to do it, what the idea was, etc. What the idea of, of writing a book is, it encourages us to go into ourselves and harvest and bring out what it is we have and crystallize it. Right? That's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to get people to stop chasing stuff and just stop and pull out what's already there in a format that can be digested. Right. And once you've done it once, you, you get the, the, the bug for doing it. If you can then bring out something that's useful for other people, wow, now we're really moving. Now we've got something we can put there. So again, I said everybody who might be listening to this, write a book. Five pages, ten pages, just whatever it is you're good at. Think about the conversations you've had in the last year with people. Think about who you've worked with. Think about the lessons you've learned. Do an interview like you're doing with me, calling with a friend, ask them to ask you questions and just record it on your computer and it, you'll have it all written there, right? Mm-hmm. Our, our good friend, Stuart, he does his 90-minute books. It's a very similar format, right? Mm-hmm. So we can all write a book. So it's part of that process of, of harvesting, learning to do that, learning to get our own integrity, our own message, our own authenticity, the words they use nowadays, into, into the world. From a licensing perspective, it goes hand in hand. Because it's it's your it's not just writing a book, and many people will not get rich writing a book. But what it will do, I would not. Will, I would not. I'll be the no, first. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not. And I don't think that should be your driving force ever. And if you see somebody say, you know, write a book and get rich, please avoid it. Yeah, just you you write the book because you're trying to give authenticity or greater fab- fabric. Uh, you one of your recent guests talked about the, the surface area 
of um, of what we do on LinkedIn. So mm-hmm. I think this is about building that fabric of, of our presence in the world. So write what you're good at, write about that. And, and again, let people see who you are and what you've learned, because that's what they will identify. Then if your service or your product or whatever it is you offer is a license links to that, then that's where that takes them. So it's a logical process. But you're if you never, ever, ever do things because you're trying to sell something, mm-hmm. it's the wrong way around. If you do it because of who you are, the money will follow. People will want to pay you, believe it or not. You know, that's how it works. Yeah, I'm so a believer of that. I mean, it's how we've built our business, right? You, you build that right network. It becomes a referral engine. People speak about your credibility and what you've done for them. It's just how the world works. And again, we're not, we're not even in the same country. And we've been um, able to introduce one another to create those sort of reciprocal engagements, right? And because we... We understand how that networking piece works. And I'm going to write down a few words that I'm going to, going to write up later on because you've given me a better definition of kindness. You've given me a practical definition there, which is about referrals and reciprocal activities because that's what kindness is. That's what it is in business. And you're not doing it because you have to. You're doing it because you want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I recently had a um, somebody introduce me to um, a person and come out of a very, very large organization. I see this a lot of times going off on their own and have a lot of deep expertise, but have never, they have never had to, they've had the, they've, as we use the word framework again, they've had the framework of one of the top companies in the world, right? Sort of bolster them up and create the platform. So that company was the platform. So going off on your own and having to develop revenue and your livelihood on your own is a very, very daunting activity if that's sort of not your inherent DNA, right? Like, like, like I had, I learned LinkedIn, but I had been doing business development my whole life. So I knew the business development. Most people leave companies because they have this deep expertise, but they have no business development. So then they're constantly thinking, I have to sell something, something, something. And they miss this piece. I think if they could just hear the piece that you've just talked about, you've got to put that information out there and share the knowledge. So what I did, you know, knowing this person really not going to be able to necessarily afford our services and our coaching and all of that. I just turned my introductory call into a coaching session and was like, you know what? These are some of the things, foundational things you need to do. Someday when you, you know, when when you are ready, I'm here, I'm happy to coach you and everything. But these are a couple of things I observed and, you know, thanked me and everything and was like, okay, now I'm going to come back to you so we can drive revenue through LinkedIn. Again, to emphasize what you talked about, it's not driving revenue through LinkedIn. It's about establishing your personal brand so that people, when they hear about you or they, you know, end up on your LinkedIn profile, they understand who you are and how you can help them, right? That's, that was really so critical when I saw your LinkedIn profile and your website, which we will link to in the show notes. I was like, oh man, that. Uh, he's the guy, right? He's the, he, you know, I now know a guy and, and that's important. And, and that credibility, that is the business development piece that so many people are missing. Yes. And, and if you just, if you take that scenario of that person leaving the big company and, and needing to establish their personal brand, they've got their own expertise. The other thing that that whole process of LinkedIn you've talked about is building those connections. So if you like, if you go back to the upside down triangle, that person's now at the bottom of that triangle trying to build those connections. And they shouldn't forget their own contacts in that process. So don't think you have to go out to the world through the the big LinkedIn to find people. You already know people who like you, who will help you. They may not buy from you, but they will certainly talk to you. So, So don't sit on your own ever, you know. For goodness sake, ring Colleen or ring me and talk to us for a start, you know, because we've been there. And so that's what I would say, you know, link up with people who you know and and start a conversation. Tell them what you're trying to do. Don't say I'm looking for a job or I'm looking for work or I need business. Give them a vision that they can be part of or they can contribute to. 
I want to do this. I'm trying to help this. I'm looking to create such and such. I think there's an opportunity there. Whatever it is, give people an opportunity to work with you. Right, exactly. And one of the things I noticed, we'll kind of stay in, in LinkedIn for a second, is you're pretty active. So so I went to your LinkedIn profile and on the right-hand side, there's now a bell, right? And I can press that bell, click that okay. bell, and I get a notification of every time you post a new piece of content. So with pretty, pretty uh, regular uh, notifications, I'm like, oh, Jess has posted something um, on LinkedIn today. Let me go see what it is. And what I've noticed, it is primarily not about you. It is primarily promoting and doing shout outs for at least many people I know who are clients of yours. So I, what I love about this, because I'm constantly talking about content and you know, one of our blog posts for May, our main blog post for May is all about using content to increase candidate flow, buyer flow, all of these things, how to use content. And the stats show that for every four pieces of content you post, only one should be promotional about you, right? It should be, you can do one, but then three need to be informational trends, whatever it might be, industry-related about somebody else. I think you might be the only person I know who actually does that and probably does it four out of four times. So tell me a little bit about your strategy for content on LinkedIn. I, I feel, and this is genuine, I feel really honored to work with the people I do who, who have who place their trust in me to help them build uh, their, their licensing or build their business. So as they're going through this and they start to launch and promote their share their awareness of what they're doing with people. Then I, I've got a pretty good co- network on, on LinkedIn. I've, I've, I can't remember, 13,000 or 20,000. Yeah. So, so, so I, I, I share, I have no idea, Colleen, that that works or not. I have no idea how effective it is. I must talk to you about all of that. Um, but it's, it's, it's just good for me because it reinforces in my own mind, oh, I'm pleased that Kim's doing that or Raquel's doing that or Emma's doing that or Peter's doing that or Dean or whoever's doing it. Uh, and just to, and it, it's good for them to see it, number one, but it's good for me to do it, number two. And if it has an impact out there in the broader LinkedIn sphere, then great. But I'm genuinely just trying to, to help them to build something. And that's part of me building my community, if you want to put it like that. Mm-hmm. And there is no doubt that, and, and maybe they don't even always see it, right? No, like, no. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't no, even matter. Not at all. But it gives them exposure and that they would not have otherwise. And someone like you who, you know, as I was saying to Stuart yesterday, Des is a center of influence because he understands this reciprocal nature of networking and the kindness piece, right? You know, everybody wants people to share their content, but they don't share anybody's content, right? So so we have to start again inside thinking about, yeah. okay, if yeah. I'm gonna if I'm gonna get something, maybe I need to give something first. Yeah, but don't think of getting something. That's, yes, that's, exactly. that's even that's even the wrong premise. The premise has to be how can I help that person? I like what they're doing. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of what I would call informational content, which mm-hmm. is, is it could be trendy or whatever it happens to be. And I would just say avoid it. That's only my own thinking, you know, and go for the go for the bits that are really relevant and resonate with you. And I, I think you might agree with this, but I think if you can be as genuine on LinkedIn as you are in your own self, ultimately that will get picked up in some way. That I hope that the algorithm is good enough to do that over time. <laughs> You know what? That's an interesting comment because some people have said to me, wow, sometimes I feel like everybody um, on LinkedIn, it's almost getting sappy, right? Everybody's like, congratulations. And and I'm like, you know what? We need a little, we need a little bit of that. And that's okay to affirm, encourage, support people in your network to, you know, to give them a shout out and say, congratulations, well-deserved, well-deserved. Yeah. It's Uh okay. Yeah, and and, and when, when people ring me up, first of all, and you know, as a second, they chat to me. The biggest thing that I can do is simply encourage them. Mm-hmm. 
to do whatever it is they're going to do. It may not be with me or whatever else, but just keep going, keep asking, keep making that journey. And again, I would say to anybody listening, you know, just be yourself, just go for it. You have to do it. You've only got one shot. Just do something every day to move that piece forward. That's all it's about. I love that. And that's a really, we have gone almost an hour. And so this was fabulous. We will have all of the links to your website. We will have those links in the show notes. We will have a couple of other resources too. We'll actually give Stuart Bell at 90 Minute Books a mention and have a link there. Um, If you need a resource for creating a book, there's lots of them, but we both know Stuart and he's a good guy. So yes. You know, I can't imagine we could we could keep talking for hours and we have in the past, but we yeah. will be respectful of our listeners time. Any yeah. closing thoughts on idea of community and how important it is? And um, I, I think, Colleen, um, what, what you're doing and what Jim and Matt and Sarah, who I've worked with as part of your fabulous team, I think you're all shaping what community is through the LinkedIn framework. And you're, you're providing a framework for the rest of us to try and put that piece in place. So if anybody's listening, if anybody's trying to build what they're about, whether an independent consultant or a, a CEO, then I, you know, I would highly recommend, I didn't come on to do this, but I would highly recommend they get a good handle on LinkedIn. And I haven't met anybody better at that than, than you. So the whole piece about community, the way that we're working, how that's developing, you know, just keep going. Great. Thank you. Like you said in the beginning, wow, what an introduction. Well, what a closing. I appreciate it. And I look forward to our next session and our next episode. So to all of our listeners, thanks for joining today. And I hope you found this as inspiring as I did. Thank you. Connect with us on LinkedIn, get to know us there and on our website, interoadvisory.com. We have lots of valuable content and inside our membership site, and even more beyond that. Thanks for listening. We appreciate a shout out on your preferred channel, a review or a comment on what you'd like to hear us discuss. You can listen in on Apple, Spotify, Google Play and other channels. Check out our tutorials on our YouTube channel too. Until next time, thanks for joining.